You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. Welcome to New Life, where, where Jesus' love is cool. Hey, let me ask you guys a question, and I want an honest answer by show of hands. How many of you were more excited to come to church today than you were last week because you knew we had AC? Thank you. Thank you for the honesty. Just takes one person to raise their hand, and they're like, okay, I can, I can, it's a safe place. Um, yes. Uh, another, another show of hands. Hey, guys, how many of you are wearing shorts right now? Yes. Oh, I'm so envious. Um, I can't, I can't preach in shorts. Because it's a rule. Because it's a rule. I can't preach in shorts. Plus, my legs have tattoos, and People would lose their mind. <laughs> He's so not qualified to be there right now. Um, I so wanted to wear shorts this morning. Did any of you, any of you guys, did you get like husbands, did you get grief from your wife when you tried to walk out in like shorts and a t-shirt this morning? Your, your wife was like, that is not, that is not Sunday best, right? Yeah, that is not what we wear to God's house. I would like nothing more than just shorts and flip-flops right now, but that's a rule, right? Um, we, we, church has, has weird rules. So every, every year at Easter, um, before we come into the, the staff meeting, the, the week of Easter, so we come into staff meeting on Tuesday, and Easter is the following Sunday, and before I, I park in the parking lot, and I say a little prayer, and I say, Lord, please help Pastor Ken forget to tell us to wear a suit and tie. Because the way that I work, if Pastor Ken doesn't tell me, I will not wear it, right? Even though it's an act of rebellion, I'll be honest. Even though I know we're supposed to, if I don't hear the words from his mouth, I'm showing up without a jacket or a tie. I felt really bad for Genesis around Christmas. He was the only person in the building wearing a tie. But he looked good. He he looked real good. Anyway, I want to be free. I don't want to be constrained by things. Anyway, when I got placed on the schedule to preach this week, uh, so close to July 4th, I had resolved in my mind that there is no way I'm talking about freedom. So today, we are going to talk about freedom. Um, and I've been doing a book study of Galatians the last few weeks, and this, this message of freedom has just really been resonating in my, in my spirit, and so I want to share it with you uh, this morning. And so I want to give you a little background on Galatians. Pastor Ken touched on this briefly uh, last week, but the church in Galatia was a church of Gentile believers. They were not Jewish Christians. They were non-Jewish Christians. And these, these Jewish Christians that Paul refers to in the book as Judaizers, they came in and they started adding things on top of the gospel message, right? They started adding more rules and regulations on top of the gospel of freedom that, is, that we find, that we preach, that's preached in the Bible. And they started saying that you needed Jesus plus obedience to the law of Moses in order to fully be seen as righteous in God's eyes. And Paul comes in and he's like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is not what God intended. So Paul is trying to teach the church in, in, in Galatia what it looks like to live as free Christians. Right? Christian freedom is not the same as the freedom that we celebrate on Independence Day in America. It is not the same. 
So let's just make sure we understand that right off the bat. Okay, we celebrate things like self-assertion. What I, what I need is most important. I'm going to assert myself, and it doesn't matter what you think because what I need is most important, right? We celebrate on insisting on our own rights, but many times at the cost of the rights of others. We throw off constraints and break through barriers and create ourselves and, and, and do whatever you think is right. If it feels good, do it. And at the heart, a lot of these things are not that bad, but when we get into how that's played out in our lives, it oftentimes is directly opposed to the message of freedom that Christ comes to preach, that Christ came to preach. And so, and we celebrate, we celebrate freedom in the weirdest ways. The celebration in Torrance began like July 1st, and I feel like for, it's still happening. Maybe the heat caused people to stop going outside and blowing things up. But people started lighting off fireworks like July 1st. Like, guys, what? What? You just want to, we're really just looking for an excuse to light things on fire. That's honestly what it is, right? Um, so I, I looked up the, like the American Pyrotechnics Association. Apparently this thing exists. Uh, and they said that there's an estimated $1 billion spent on fireworks this year. What? We could do so much more with that money, Ariana. <laughs> uh, did anybody? We eat so much food. Anybody watch the Nathan's hot dog eating contest? Apparently, American freedom means that we can have a professional eating sport, right? People train to be gluttons. That's like their life goal. So uh, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, uh, Joey Chestnut is the... Uh, Continuing, he broke his own record, but he is the new or the world record holder of 74 hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. I went to a Dodgers game with my friends and we sat in right field and we tried, you get free food, and we tried to eat a Dodger dog every inning. After six, I threw up. 74 hot dogs. It comes out to a hot dog and a bun every 8.1 seconds craziness. But apparently nothing says American freedom like stuffing your face with hot dogs and lighting things on fire, right? So in a political and a national sense, we're free people, right? It's, it's written into uh, the, the documents that our country are found, is founded on. We're allowed freedom of speech. We live in a free country, Right? We have freedom of religion, freedom to choose and pursue any way of life that we want to, but it doesn't always look like that for everybody. And as much as it's okay for you to want to celebrate like our, our nation's freedom, political freedom, national freedom, religious freedom, all of those things do not translate to uh, uh, the human soul set free in the way that Jesus wants to free us. It just doesn't look the same. Right? Christian freedom looks different. Declaration of dependence. I don't like titles, but I thought this one was witty, so anyway, we're going to move on. It's not a declaration of independence, but a declaration of dependence on Jesus. <clears throat> That's good. Okay. There's <laughs> our key thought. True Christian freedom is found in dependence, dependence on the finished work of Christ and guidance and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's not... Jesus doesn't set us free to just go run free and be a free spirit, right? That freedom is dependent on what Jesus has done. And walking in that freedom is dependent 
on us allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. So it looks way different than what American freedom looks like. Jesus set us free from the need to prove ourselves, from the need to get ahead. From, from, he, he set us free, most importantly, from a life of sin that leads to death. But freedom in the Christian sense is only experienced, is experienced when we draw close to Jesus, when we submit our lives to him, when we depend on him and we depend on the Holy Spirit. Because we need to understand that what Jesus did, the freedom that Jesus bought for us on the, cry, on the cross, was not just a past event, right? It is a present event, right? We sang that song, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. The resurrected king, right? Jesus was resurrected. He died, was resurrected, went to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit. Now, the resurrected king, it doesn't say has, resurrect, has resurrected me. Is, is resurrecting me. Christian freedom is the sense of dying to ourselves daily to live in the freedom and f- of following Christ and, lead, and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. It is not just a one-time thing, but too often people use Christianity as like a, just a get-out-of-hell card, right? We purchase our fire insurance. I hate that term, but I don't know what else to say. Uh, and, and we just use Jesus. And, and honestly, we treat the presence of God, we treat the sacrifice of Jesus, sometimes we look at God like he's a a one-night stand or just a cheap date that we use to get what we want, and then we don't come back to him until our life depends on it, right? Have you ever prayed that prayer? God, if you just do this one thing for me, I promise I'll be at church next Sunday. I'll read my Bible every day. And you know the irony of it? God still blesses us and answers our prayers, but he knows you're not going to he knows we're not going to make good on our promise to forever follow him and never do anything wrong again. Because he knows us, but he loves us. So he wants to set us free. God's work for us is past, present, and future. He set us free from sin. He is continuing to set us free day in and day out as long as we submit our lives to him. And we have a hope for a future, right, of living for eternity with Christ in freedom. That's good news. That is the gospel message. So let's look at what Paul says in Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, this will make sense in a second, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to get into your word. God, would you speak through me, and Holy Spirit, would you take these words uh, and, and just penetrate the hearts of everybody in here, Lord, and um, let, us, let us learn and just get a glimpse of what it looks like to truly live as free Christians through Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so what the Galatian church was doing and what a lot of churches today do is they were just exchanging one form of slavery for another. Right? They were saying that, that the, the, the gospel message is that Jesus came to set the captives free. Right? He came to free us from this being slaves to sin, which leads to death. 
And now what these Jewish Christians were doing is saying that the, the most important thing for them was that they would be circumcised. Circumcision was the, the sign of the covenant that God made with his people, that God made with Abraham, right? And they were saying, okay, so Jesus is good, and that's a good first step, but you also need all of these other things until, so that you can truly be righteous in God's eyes. Right? So salvation's not enough. Salvation is a good start, but there's so much that you have to do in order to earn right standing with God. That's what was being preached in the Galatian church. And Paul was coming in to say that is not true. There is nothing that we have to do that is going to help us earn our place in heaven. There's nothing that's going to help us become, to earn uh, this sense of justification and righteousness before God. Right? It's not a point system. And it's not a ranking system to see who's the best. We're all on a level playing field. And earlier in the book of Galatians, Paul says, I'm shocked that you're returning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, pretends to be the gospel, but is not the gospel at all. There were two gospels being preached. The gospel of Paul, the gospel of the Judaizers. In essence, the false gospel said a person had to behave a certain way in order to earn God's favor. And we look at it and we go, oh, that's so terrible. That's not right. Right? And it's right because it takes away from the sufficiency of Christ. Christ is enough. We sing it in songs, but we don't believe it. Christ is enough. Jesus is not impressed by how you dress on Sunday morning. Jesus is not impressed by all of the King James English version or words and phrases that you know. God looks at us, and if he sees that we have surrendered our lives to him and we have accepted the free gift of salvation that God so graciously gave and we have faith in his son, he sees that. That's what he sees when he looks at us, right? So, Trying to add on top of that gospel takes away from the sufficiency of Christ. It also jeopardizes the important role of the Holy Spirit for spiritual formation, right? I can go and, and we have programs here, right? We have flow. We do EHS. We have a discipleship kind of pathway, and a lot of churches do this, but we don't believe that that's a discipleship pathway that is only to enhance the spiritual relationship that you are going to do on your own, right? Going through EHS and going through flow doesn't make you a better Christian than somebody who didn't decide to sign up for it. And it doesn't take the place of you spending time with the Lord, your personal uh, spiritual formation that happens with the Holy Spirit, right? I have my driver's license here. It says, Michael Christopher Jonitis, Right? So anytime I feel like it's, it's what I say over what God says, I just need to see that my driver's license does not say Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit. You're not the Holy Spirit. But we try to play the role of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people and think we know better than God. This is what you have to do. You have to, you have to only read this version of the Bible. You have to go to this class. You have to listen to this sermon. You have to listen to this music. If you listen to secular music, all bets are off. And we try to uh, conform people into what we want them to be rather than allowing them to be conformed into the image of God and allowing the Holy Spirit to develop them and, and lead them and guide them into everything that God has for that person. We try to make little copies of ourselves. 
I don't want a whole bunch of Mike Jonitis's running around, right? Because I have a temper. I get mad at things, right? I'm very, like, antisocial most of the time. Pastor Ken had to pull me in his office my second week working here and say, forget everything else you're doing. Your job is to smile at people. Like, my face would hurt on Sunday from, you, from doing this, hi, because I don't use those muscles, right? So I don't want a bunch of carbon copies of me running around because I know all the shortcomings I have. I want to point people to Jesus who gives the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to do the work of discipleship, not me. Things like prayer, worship, fellowship, scripture reading, meditating on scripture, all of those things are good. And we want you guys to do those things. And discipleship courses stress those things. Those are good for spiritual formation. But they don't make you more acceptable to God. But somewhere along the line, we thought, oh, if I, if I read this, God is going to love me more. But what happens when you forget? Then you get into this cycle of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough because I haven't opened my Bible. And I'm sorry if somebody told you that. That is not the case. Jesus loves you so much. Even if you haven't picked this up in, a, in, a, in two months or longer, you can, do, you can do better. Tomorrow's a new day. It doesn't diminish the love of, that Christ has for you. You with me? Okay. So does that mean uh, that I don't ever have to read this? Technically, Yes. But the question I have is, why would we not read the Bible? Why would we not spend time in prayer? Why would we not spend time in worship? Why would we not try to get to know God better? Okay, so I'm married. My wife's in the back with our cute daughter. So I can only see my wife, I can choose to only see my wife once a week for about an hour and a half, right? And then I cut it short, and I'm like, sorry, I know you wanted to talk, and think, but I got to get to lunch, so... I don't know how long I would stay married if that was the case, but I, we could have a relationship like that, okay? But I don't want a relationship like that. I love my wife. I don't love my wife to try to earn her love for me. I love my wife because of who she is. I love my wife because she's awesome, and I want to get to know her better. I want to learn how to love my wife, and I want our relationship to grow and flourish and be stronger, not because I need something from her, but because I love her. And this is how we should view our relationship with God, right? Spiritual disciplines are part of what help us experience the fullness of our relationship with God. And when we practice these things, when we pray, when we read our Bibles, when we spend time with Jesus, it helps make our love for him grow. It doesn't make him more impressed, but it opens the door for relationship. And it allows us to fully give ourselves to God and understand what his love for us means. But these things do not save us. They do not justify us. They don't make us righteous in God's eyes. Right? Legalism also takes shape in the form of spiritual experiences and an overemphasis on performance. You see this a lot in evangelical churches, right? So our church, we believe, in the, we believe that the Holy Spirit is active in the church today. 
We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate experience and a distinct experience from salvation, from water baptism, and it's a moment where the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you are given boldness to be a witness for Christ. And we believe in the spiritual gifts that come along with that. We believe in speaking in tongues. We believe in gifts of prophecy. We believe that if you're sick, we can, that, that, God has, that God will heal sickness, cancer, that he will heal those things through prayer, through the laying, hand, laying on of hands. We fully and totally, 100% believe those things. But here's the thing. You can come to church here. You don't have to believe that. And it doesn't make you any less of a Christian. We believe that that. The Holy Spirit's power in the life of a Christian helps us to live the fullness in the fullness of the gospel. It helps us to live in the fullness of the freedom that Christ has given us. But we don't believe that the Holy Spirit is better than Christ. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, we're not using it to take away from the sufficiency of what Jesus did, Right? And we're not saying that you have to speak in tongues to be a member of the church. We're not saying that you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to worship here with us, right? We would desire that for everybody, not just members here, but everybody, because it's a powerful, awesome experience. But we don't believe that you're a better Christian or more acceptable to God if you do that, and it is not grounds for membership at the church. You guys get what I'm saying here? We are not trying to add anything onto the gospel of Christ. That is not freedom. That is further slavery, further bondage that we place on people. Many churches preach this kind of, of false gospel based on legalism, and it, doesn't not, it does not bring freedom. There is no freedom in blind rule following. Jesus was crucified for our sins, raised from the dead three days later, ascended to heaven, sent the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin, convince us of Christ's righteousness, and work in us and through us to make us look more like Jesus. Not just so we can go to a Bible study, right? Good stuff doesn't make you a better Christian, doesn't make you more righteous. So let's unpack a little bit what this freedom looks like. What are we free from? First and foremost, like we said, we are free from sin. We are free from the sin that leads to death. This is the, the foundation, this is foundational to the gospel of Christ. We're also freed from ourselves. We're freed from the need to perform. We're freed from the need to earn favor. We're freed from the need to try to make others happy at the cost of our own happiness. We are freed from living a self-centered life that says we are the source of our freedom. Jesus is the source of everything that I have. That is freedom. Realizing that God is my provider. God is my healer. God is my peace. God will lead me. God will guide me. I can do nothing apart from him. But he says in John 15, if I abide in him, I will bear fruit. Because apart from him, I can do nothing. I am only what God makes me to be. I can only do what God asks me to do. And I am most successful in my life when I am following his plan. I have been freed, we have been freed from the need to try to get ahead ourselves and to just take that pressure, that burden off of our lives, give our lives to Jesus, place it in his hands, say, God, what would you do with this? What would you want me to do with my life? There's a, there's a psychological sense to this freedom. Jesus gives us the chance to be free emotionally, and mentally, this is why we've been doing so much about emotionally healthy spirituality. Because 
I think a lot of times we come to church and a lot of people are broken and they're hurting and there's so much going on inside, but we feel like we have to put on a good face because we don't want to burden people. Jesus got bothered with people, by people all the time. Not bothered. People interrupted what he was doing all the time because they needed something. Right? It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to have something going on. It's okay to see a therapist. It's okay. Jesus wants to heal those parts of your life. Pastor Ken said it last week. The gospel touches every aspect of our lives, even our emotional self. You don't have to pretend to be what everybody else at church is pretending to be. That's the thing. So many of us, we, we have these lofty ideas. I want to be like this person. We don't know what's going on in their life. Let Jesus set you free from the comparison game, from the need to perform, from thinking that you have to have it all together for everybody else's sake. Let him heal those parts of your life. Like I said earlier, it's easier, it's easy to get in a mindset that you're not good enough, that you're not doing enough. But Christ sets us free to get onto a path of self-discovery, not at the self-help section of the bookstore, but he sets us free to discover who Christ created us to be. Who does God want you to be? What does God want you to do? We are free to discover that and to live in the fullness of who God wants us to be. She's so cute. The truth is nothing is going to make you more lovable and more acceptable to God than you are right now. Right here where you sit, wearing your shorts and flip-flops to church, Jesus loves you. God is totally infatuated and in love with the you that's sitting here right now. You matter more than you think you do. And you are doing better than you think you're doing. And God wants you to know that this morning. You can be free from the need to try to perform to impress other people. And you can be free to discover who God has called you to be. We're also freed from what our culture defines as freedom, right? So instead of self-assertion, we can focus on God's desires for our lives. Instead of insisting on my rights, instead of insisting on our rights, we can focus on the rights of others. Instead of throwing off constraints, we can choose to live within the loving boundaries that God has placed in our lives, right? Adam and Eve lived in like the, the God's perfect plan for creation, they had boundaries. Eat whatever you want, except from that tree. Right? God places loving boundaries on our lives to keep us from going back to that old life. Um, instead of trying to create ourselves for our own sake, we allow ourselves to become clay in the potter's hands so he can shape and mold us into the perfect vessel that he wants us to be. Instead of doing whatever we think is right, we submit our plans to God's will for our life and allow him to determine our steps. We are free from sin ourselves and from cultural definitions of freedom. And he says, Paul says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. 
It is for freedom. Christ has set us free to actually be free people, not to just go back to a life of sin, not to go back to a life of slavery in the form of legalistic rules. Right? And it's a freedom that unfolds. It's a process that we see as we walk in that freedom. As we walk and we grow in our relationship with Christ, we begin to see how free we really are. That we can depend on him when we're obedient to him and when we love and we serve others. Paul goes on in, in Galatians 5. He says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. He's like, if you're trying so hard to fulfill the law, love people. That will fulfill Christ's law. Love people. Live in freedom. Don't use that freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Don't use that freedom to satisfy your flesh. Right? Jesus sets us free and gives us a choice. What do you want to do with your freedom? Do you want to just continue to live like you were? Do you want to just do whatever you want? Do you want to satisfy your flesh? Right? Because when we're satisfying our sinful desires when it comes to the freedom of Christ, we're trying to make everybody else conform to what we do. We make God in our image. We make disciples in our image. And we want everybody to follow our plan for life, not God's plan for life. When we're satisfying our flesh with our freedom, we're not accepting of other people. We don't accept people that don't act like us. We don't accept people that don't look like us. We don't accept people that have different viewpoints that we have than we have. Jesus is not American. Jesus is not Filipino. Jesus is more concerned with his heavenly kingdom than he is with the nation of America and the, the freedoms that we want to uphold so much. Jesus is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. You don't have to vote Republican to be a Christian, right? Jesus, the love of Christ looks past age, it looks past race, it looks past gender, it looks past sexual orientation, it looks past political affiliations, it looks past nationality, and the love of Christ sees a person who deserves to be loved. But we will withhold loving and serving those who don't look like us. We will withhold loving and serving those who are trying to come to our country because it doesn't go along with the laws that we think we have. Christ, the love of Christ looks past all of that and sees a person that it desperately needs the cross, that desperately needs this freedom that Jesus offers. At the heart of Christian freedom is a command to love and serve. When we begin loving people, when we begin serving people, we begin to overcome ourselves. And this is the exact pattern set by Jesus. Jesus didn't come here and tell everybody, you have to follow all these rules. Jesus came here and spent his whole life serving people, loving people, giving himself away, doing his father's business. His father's business was to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and to love people, to serve 
well, what does that look like? I don't know what that looks like. Find somebody that you see at church that loves people, that serves people. Hang out with the Delara family. They love people. They serve people. Ask Pastor Janet if you could take her to lunch. Ask Pastor Romy if you could take, her to, take him to lunch. And ask them, what does it look like to love and serve? There are so many selfless people in this church. You know, when, when we had our daughter, I was blown away by how many people showed love and care and support to us. It was like, thank you, all of you. Like, it was insane. I have never experienced that. Neither had my wife. She's been a Christian since she was, like, in the womb. (laughs) But at the heart of Christian freedom is a call to love and to serve. And this pattern of using our freedom to love and serve others is through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us will help us produce Christ-like character, which Paul refers to as the fruit of the Spirit. This is what we should be striving for with our Christian freedom. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We are free to show the love of God to everybody. So our Christian freedom is not a declaration of our independence, but it is a declaration of our dependence on the finished work of Christ. It's a declaration of our our dependence on the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We live out that freedom as we walk in step with the Holy Spirit, allowing the Spirit to guide us to love and serve one another. Uh, worship team, you guys can come up. Don't make it harder for people to come to Jesus. Don't put barriers in the way as people are trying to find out, find God as a part of their lives. Don't set up your own rules. Here's the thing. God created all of this. This is God's, this is God's plan, his masterpiece, Right? When it comes to spiritual formation, the Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. Help people to find a relationship with Jesus. Help people to discover the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives and trust, love them, serve them, help them find Jesus. Don't help them find your own personal viewpoint of the gospel. Don't help them find your own brand of what you think holiness looks like. Help them find what Jesus says is the truth of the gospel in the scriptures. Don't expect people to conform to your theological ideals. And don't confuse Christian freedom with nationalistic freedom. Don't confuse Christian freedom with American patriotism because it's not the same. Because Christian freedom says, yes, you've been set free and now you've been called to something greater than yourself. So don't use your freedom just to do whatever we want. Use your freedom, submit yourself to God. 
Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you and look for ways that you can help people. Look for ways to serve. Look for ways to grow. Look for ways to love people, to teach them the love of Christ. Now we're going to do VBS. And it's shorter than last year, but that's okay. But kids are going to come here and there are going to be so many volunteers that are giving up their time and their sole purpose is to help these kids, to love and serve these kids and help them to see that Jesus is cool. Right, but, but when it comes to kids, like one event a year, that's not, that's not enough to do it, right? So you look at like our children's ministry. I feel like I always ask you guys to serve in children's ministry. But you look at teenagers, and a lot of times when kids get into youth ministry, if they have uh, reservations for, for, for actually worshiping God or serving God, or they don't want to do anything, they try to put on this tough exterior, it's because they didn't get enough of it when they were younger. They didn't really learn. The, nobody really spent the time to teach them. And the truth of it is, like, when it comes to the children's ministry, we need men to serve in there. We really do. We have kids that come from single-parent homes. We have single moms that bring their kids here, and they don't have a, a strong male presence in their life. Right? And so we need guys that will step up and say, I want to teach these kids what it looks like to have strong male influence in their life. I want to show these young boys what it looks like to serve God as an adult, to serve God as a man, to be a man in God's kingdom. Right? We need stuff like that. We need people who are gonna go out, like our, our VBS team is going out today, they're gonna go to the park and they're gonna hand out flyers to the community, people that are there. We need people that are gonna step up and say, I wanna help, I wanna serve others, I wanna love on people, I wanna do something greater than myself, I wanna be a part of something. Um, if you guys have your prayer guide, it's in your bulletin. Pull it out real quick and open it up. So uh, last Monday, um, I had a dream, and I saw people in this front lot out here um, worshiping. And when it was all finished, and people were worshiping, and they were singing a song. The song is called All Hail King Jesus. And it was just full of people from the community doing that. And then the Lord brought me to a scripture and I shared it with our staff and Pastor Janet says, well, I, Pastor Janet said, the Lord gave me that same scripture. And uh, it was 1 Corinthians 3. And you'll see it in here on the left side. It says, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. So when we look at things that way, I am not responsible for a person's salvation. I am not responsible for a person's spiritual well-being. I am not responsible for a person's discipleship. I am responsible to plant and water. Only God can make it grow. Only God can do it. So take the pressure to perform off of yourself. Point people to Jesus. And I want to close on the right side. It says praying through scripture. And I want to close with praying this together.
But here's your, uh, here's your, like, your homework for the week. Love somebody. Serve somebody. Not just, not just like somebody in your home. Serve somebody at your work. Show the love of Christ to somebody outside of your immediate family. Do something different. Plant some seeds. Maybe bring some VBS flyers to your work. I don't know. what. Whatever you feel like God is asking you to do, pray and ask the Lord. Be obedient to his call. Walk in the freedom that he's given you and love and serve others. So I want us to pray this together. Everybody see what I'm saying? It says 1 Corinthians 3 right here. So I want us all, I'm gonna start, you guys, I want you all to, to vocally, let's, let's, let's pray this out together. It says, Lord, I am just like the people in the Bible that served you. I am just a servant trying to obey. You provide the increase, expansion, and draw people to Jesus. You want to use me to reach people. Show me how to sow seeds, water planted seeds, and work your harvest. Show me who to talk to about you. Show me who to ask if I can pray for them. I want to build a work that survives for eternity and receive my heavenly reward. Amen. Pastor Janet writes these, not because it's part of a job description, but because she loves you and she's serving you in this way. She's spending time with the Lord to find these things. Pastor Romy shows up at the crack of dawn like so early in the morning to get things set up. We have so many servants that come because we love you and we want to serve you. Right now, let's, let's take that and let's go serve others. Show the love of Christ to others. Serve others. That is how you're going to walk in your freedom. I'm going to pray for you guys. And then if you need prayer for anything, you can come forward. Um, also, if you want to sign up for Love Well, you need help with that, I can help you. And then I think Pastor Janet has an announcement for us. Um, but let's pray. Father, we, we thank you that freedom is more simple that we, than we make it. God, help us to take the burdens off of ourselves to, to perform, to perform for you, to perform for others, to be somebody that we're not, to just run the rat race, to get ahead, to do these things, to try to better ourselves. And Lord, help us to understand that true freedom is submitting our lives 100% into your hands. And saying, God, we are just clay in the potter's hands. Mold us and shape us into who you want us to be. Lord, help us to stop making it more difficult for people to come to you. To make the road wide. And just to help point them to Jesus. Lord, show us what it means, what it looks like for each and every one of us to love others and to serve others. God, I pray that as, the, as I'm speaking these words right now, that you are putting names on the hearts of the people here, on every one of us, God, that you are giving us a name, Lord, that somebody we should pray for, somebody we need to invite to church, somebody we need to hang out with, bring a meal to, whatever, we, whatever it is, Father, that we would be obedient to that call, to love and to serve. Help us to truly walk out our freedom. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. 
Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.